Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you may be. Welcome back to Out of the Abyss, where we drag things from the dark up to the light. This week, part two, the conclusion of our series on Betty and Barney Hill. I am here with Jake and Pip. Last week, we covered the background of the poor couple in question, the events that they remembered occurring and their growing anxiety and paranoia. And this led them to seek the aid of a hypnotherapist on the recommendation of several friends, relatives, and military personnel. You know you can always trust those military personnel with UFOs, <laughs> right? 100%. That's oh, totally legit. It's the first person that I trust is military person. This is, I mean, remember this is the 60s before people knew about MKUltra? So. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, at the end of last episode, they'd undergone three weeks of hypnotic conditioning where the hypnotist literally went and made sure that they were good hypnotic subjects and could go into a trance. And they were then interviewed individually in his soundproofed office so they couldn't feed one another ideas. The first hypnosis session covered their late honeymoon to Niagara Falls and then Montreal. Just in case you guys forgot, they decided to cut their trip short when they were on their honeymoon and go home because they heard about a tropical storm that was heading toward their hometown of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Despite the fact that they'd have to drive late into the night and they'd get home around 3 in the morning, they figured that if they got tired, they'd just pull over and sleep. No biggie. I would probably just throw on like some Art Bell and just cruise through the night. Did we ever confirm whether or not there was really a storm, or was that a, a fabrication of the aliens? No, there or was the definitely government. a real tropical storm. Okay. Because yeah. the aliens were there, obviously. They oh, created yeah. created the storm. With UFO over the ocean, machine. dude. There you go. <laughs> UFO ocean. <laughs> UFO ocean, exactly. <laughs> that sounds the like a boy band. unidentified flying ocean. It does sound <laughs> like a boy band. <laughs> No. Oh, TM, TM, the, TM, TM. Now, the details of the Hills time in Canada is mostly it's boring and uninteresting. I'm not really going to hit you guys with it all again. I'm just going to say that it was mostly a, it was a pretty nice trip. The couple had a nice time. They got lost in Montreal, did the tourist thing. Barney kept expecting some kind of, of racial tension to foul up their trip. He was African-American. But everyone from the locals to the customs agents at the border were super friendly and polite. There were... One or two little discrepancies in, in Betty and Barney's story when they told it. But the events had happened like 17 months prior, I think. And it's it's all that kind of stuff that you expect people to misremember on sure. like a little trip. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and if you put that kind of much time between you and an event, it kind of fades. Even even now in the, um, the COVID times from the start, everyone's kind of desensitized. Yeah, well, it was stuff like Barney remembered a traffic stop that happened in the late afternoon, and Betty remembered it in the early afternoon, and stuff like like little things like that that are like, yeah, I can see how you'd mix that up. Sure, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So they you start to head home. The crew's gone. No, it's like, but they did both remember a traffic stop, which is kind of like the important yeah. detail of the mind. So. They cruise on into the night. They're driving across the New Hampshire countryside when Betty sees a falling star that's traveling upwards in the sky. That's this all, by the way, this is the their hypnotic recollections. 
that are I've I've woven them together into a single narrative here. Gotcha. Yeah, I was confused. Ah. I was like, wait, this is last episode. What's going on? Yeah, sorry. This was this was what they recounted. I'm glossing over most of the the little Canada details, jumping right into the meat of the story. Gotcha. We don't have time to mess around. Right, right. Betty sees this falling star that's traveling upwards in the sky, and she points it out to Barney. And Barney brushes it off as a small plane, a Piper Cub. Is that a, is that a small plane? And they start seeing it move erratic. Yeah, that's yeah. Piper Cub is a small plane. Cool. <laughs> they start. They start seeing it move erratically in the sky. It's crossing the surface of the moon, dipping down and then up, and then it's hovering. They keep driving, and they're puzzling over what the hell this thing is. It's clearly getting closer, and it's getting bigger, but at an extremely slow, almost cavalier pace. Like, this thing is just trolling about, casually drifting towards them. Just waltzing over to fucking abduct some people, dude. Just checking out what's going on. Just enjoy rides. So they passed... They passed by the famous Cannon Mountain, and the object, which they were beginning to realize was some kind of craft or ship, it was now close enough that they could see that it was like a giant shadow, passed right over the mountain, and the mountain has a restaurant at its peak. Betty recalls all of the lights in the restaurant going out right as the, the shape passed over it, but it was also like 10 minutes after 11 p.m., so she figured that the restaurant was just closing for the night. That's, uh... Hmm. It's a bold ass, dude. I think, I think if I was driving and I saw that kind of thing, I would have to, I'd pull over. I would definitely check that out. I mean, I feel yeah. like I would just keep going, dude. Like, you see this big nondescript thing that just fucking floated at you for the last, like, 20 minutes. Like, I'm, I'm going faster. I'm getting the fuck out of there. I might, I might pull over and like turn off all the lights and you do that thing where subs do and they just go silent. You really, yeah, I, 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 you I really think that this fucking spaceship wouldn't be able to detect you if you turn off your lights? Listen, I'm sure they could, but I mean, what else <laughs> am I gonna do? Put some palm fronds the over the car? Way very quickly. <laughs> Their vision is based on movement. <laughs> Their action I mean, is if fucking they stand lizards, very dude. still. If they have a flying saucer, I don't think I can outrun them. I just don't have the technology. Dude, you, you, you find a tunnel or a cave or something, right? That ship ain't gonna fit in there. Probably. Maybe, well, I don't know, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, Get into a cave. Then That's you're trapped, under... though, dude. <laughs> oh, I mean... That's why hiding under the blanket is such an effective yeah. tactic. They can't go yeah, under exactly. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Everybody knows that. (laughs) So, the the craft that's that's following them it disappears at this point. It just kind of disappears into the mountains, and they both relax. They were kind of starting to freak out. They both relax, but that would be a really fucking short episode of this podcast. So, lucky (laughs) for us, the craft reappeared near a rock formation called the Old Man of the Mountain. Both of them noticed its reappearance and its weird ass flight patterns. It was making staircase shapes in the sky and then zipping somewhere else and hovering. All kinds of weird shit. Yo, the, the aliens Barney are just showing that, off at that point. Just right? doing donuts and shit, like, dude. Yeah, they're kind of flexing. To, to what end are they doing that? <laughs> they're just hanging out, man. Flexing. Picking up like, shit. Oh, there's some humans. Check out these moves. <laughs> Barney said that he had a feeling that the ship was rotating. 
because he was kind of getting a vague impression out of his peripherals. But Betty, who was the passenger, had a way better view of it. And to quote from the transcripts, she said, It was turning. It was rotating. And it would go and fly in a straight line for a short distance. And then it would tip over on its side and go straight up. Barney was still knee-deep in denial, and he pulled over the car to confirm to himself and Betty that somehow that, that's got to still be a plane, right? I mean, that's still, it's just a paper cup. Look at it. There's just no such cup. thing as UFOs. But he pulls over, and he opens the door, and he looks at it, and he realizes that the craft was less than a thousand feet away, but still completely silent. No sound at all. Not mostly silent. Totally silent. At this point in the hypnosis session, Barney started getting really uncomfortable, and he asks to wake up. Dr. Simon, their hypnotherapist, declines, and Barney says, and I quote, It's over my right. God, what is it? And I try to maintain control so Betty cannot tell I'm scared. God, I'm scared. Dr. Simon tried to calm him down, but Barney started losing it, screaming, crying, flipping out. Imagine it. You're interviewing this dude, and he's discussing this pleasant pleasant vacation, and how nice everyone was, and how great everything was, and all of a sudden he just starts freaking I would be so scared. Yeah, he just gets real? If I was the person interviewing yeah. him. Zero to a hundred real quick, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, in his memory, Barney they got back on the road. Barney tried to ignore the fucking spacecraft that was following them. <laughs> But they took a wide turn into the valley of the Franconia Notch, and the thing was right overhead. So finally, he's he's freaking out so bad he stops the car for a better look. As you he do. told the doctor, quoting again, It looks like a big, big pancake with windows and lights. Not lights, but one big light. The craft flitted away when he opened the door to check it out, and it went off to hover over a copse of trees in a nearby field. Barney grabbed Betty's gun and walked out for a closer view. He claims like he had to inspect this craft and <laughs> fight it if necessary, despite his tail. So I just want really to comment. I just want to comment that if I'm describing something that I'm fucking terrified of, I'm probably not going to call it a big pancake. You know? It does kind of kill the tension. I mean, it is kind of the shape, though. I and mean, I am sure. hungry, though. Yeah. But yeah, a big pancake. I don't it would have been some rest. You can call it a big flat horror disc, dude. I don't know. The coin. You can do better. A plate. Maybe he was trying to get those, those sweet, those sweet dollars for <laughs> like sponsored a by Denny's. Sponsorship. This abduction sponsored by Denny's. <laughs> My traumatic abduction experience, sponsored <laughs> by Denny's. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't necessarily know how I like if I believe it happened to him but i believe that this man believes it happened to him he's like, i've listened to the recordings and stuff and he uh he's terrified dude that's like it's not acting he's actually genuinely fucking terrified i mean coming back to it i mean what would you do if this yeah. thing was hovering over you he also pulled over and got kind of a better luck and was like what is that yeah and he's gonna go fight it dude Man versus yeah, I UFO. Do, I do gotta respect. I mean, maybe that's a cultural <laughs> thing. I don't, I don't see something in the sky and think I'm gonna fight that. But I mean, it's fight or flight, right? Well, I guess. Very few things can take a bullet and then like not stop being an immediate problem. Yep. Usually, you shoot you things shoot and things they go you away. You have a whole other problem. So, 
I respect the instinct. Oh. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Now, speak, speaking of shooting things, Barney tried to reach for his gun, but his hands wouldn't move towards his pockets. He tried to run, but his legs were literally frozen in fear. He was stuck. Barney soon found his hands pressing the binoculars to his eyes, like, like he didn't want to, but his hands were just moving disconnected from his thoughts, looking up at the rotating disc in the sky, and he recalls seeing figures in the windows, like we mentioned last episode, but with a little more detail. He said that one had a round face like an Irishman. That's a quote. Uh, he then goes into a lot of weird <laughs> racial did. stuff about the Irish. Mm. Yeah, it was kind of a weird part of the book that I was like, hmm. A product Mm. of its age. (laughs) Uh, The guy guy he saw that he assumed was a captain had a dark hat and a scarf on his neck hanging over his left shoulder. Very stylish. Barney, for some reason, keeps calling him a Nazi. Something about his efficient movements and his cold facial expression makes Barney think of him as a Nazi. Barney locks eyes with the captain and immediately feels like the captain was talking to him. He managed finally to tear the binoculars down from his eyes and start sprinting back to the car. Betty had stayed in the car, weeping and calling for Barney to come back, and she jumped in terror when she heard him burst out of the darkness of the nearby field, screaming hysterically about them being captured like bugs in a net. We gotta get out of here. We're gonna be captured. So they take off down Route 3, just peeling out, which I imagine in the 60s is like 50 clicks an hour. But despite this nearly blackout-inducing speed, they soon felt a pair of buzzing vibrations emanate from the trunk of their car, and they both experienced sort of a mental fugue, during which Barney took a left-hand turn onto a secondary road, and neither of them know why he did this. Betty said she knew something was going to happen, but wasn't frightened. Barney says pretty much the same thing, not knowing why he made the turn. He says, I made the turn, and I never knew this. I don't know why I had to make that turn, and I was lost. I saw I was on a strange area of highway, and I had never been there before. And I was being stopped. I was very uncomfortable, but somehow the eyes were telling me I should be calm, and that I would not be harmed, and to relax. And I saw these men coming towards me. Now, just... Yeah... Just, just a little tangent. The eyes are something that he brings up a lot during the session. Like some of some of the choice quotes, I got some here. Yes, they won't talk to me. Only the eyes are talking to me. I, I don't understand that. Oh, the eyes don't have a body. They're just eyes. Or another one. The eyes are telling me, don't be afraid. I'm not even afraid that they're not connected to a body. They're just there. They're just up close to me, pressing against my eyes. That's Fuck fine. that, I'm terrified. I'm not afraid. Yeah. Oh, man. I, uh, There's something... I don't know, I've got I've got a thing about eyes. I think they're neat. I think, you know, they are the window to the soul. I think these are... Um, these these aren't windows. These are, like, doors. Dude. Two-way yeah, I was going to say streets. something similar. Like, um, there's something very terrifying to me personally about, like, disjointed body parts, right? Especially fucking eyes dude the way he talks about that sounds like the eyes don't have yeah. a body which yeah, exactly assuming if there's a bunch of little men and we're i'm assuming you know like the grays or something they've got these big old eyes this is sending like a hive mind thing right it could just be like a, like a, a telepathy thing too right like they communicate with Maybe. him 
and only their eyes are present in the thing. I have no idea, dude. I don't know. I'm thinking like the eye, the little grays are like avatars for the eyes, and the eyes are kind of you know the input output of thought <laughs> and communication. Piloting a fucking flashback, dude. Basically. Yeah. Uh, well, you'll 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 see later that there is dissension and disagreement in the the interlopers. Yeah, so definitely not hive mind. Yeah, definitely not hive mind. So. At this point in the recollection, Dr. Simon stops Barney and asks him if he hadn't just felt or dreamed that he encountered men on the road. He keeps trying to get Barney to admit that there wasn't anyone there, but Barney remains confident that there was and that it wasn't a dream. Betty even corroborates, recalling that there were three figures there, two in the front and one behind, and she considered running into the woods, but the figures were already at the car door when she tried to open it. Despite how quickly sure. most of us would grab our gun, I sure as hell would. Barney never did, saying, if I thought of the gun, I would be harmed. This is kind of unfortunate, because he was pulled out of the car. Uh, as he was pulled out of the car, he felt two eyes coming close to his eyes, seeming to push into his eyes, and suddenly, he couldn't think of anything else. He describes the experience as total darkness, not even unconsciousness, something lighter than that. That's, it honestly kind of sounds like a sensory deprivation. some kind of like psychic thing. thing, right? Or brainwaves uh, or something? Something, yeah. Something that affects they, your, your brain chemistry for sure. They may not even be eyes. They might just be in like something the approximate mental. location of eyes. They might just be like a weird gland that emits things. It's like that men in black pen that makes you forget shit, dude. There you go. No, a sensory deprivation tank, just for anyone that doesn't know offhand, it's basically a sound and light-proof tub, and it's filled with water that's heated to the same temperature as human skin, so that you can't feel a temperature differential. And there's enough salt in it to allow a person to float effortlessly on the surface. And the idea is that you kind of remove all of the senses that you feel. No sight, no sound, no feeling of up or down, yeah, no just temperature dissociate differential. And avoid you, ba you basically void. dissociate. I would love to try one of those, honestly. I super would too I can't think of anything scarier than being alone with my thoughts I'm not allowed a fish tank I don't think I'd be allowed a sensory deprivation tank in a my human -sized rented fish tank. place yeah there's places in the city though you can go for a sensory deprivation so he goes from talking about you know the eyes are pushing into his eyes to all of a sudden he's got this blankness and then out of nowhere, in his recollection, he's back in the car with Betty, commenting on how they'll be getting to Portsmouth later than anticipated. They're back on Route 3, trucking on down. One minute, he's being helped out of his car, disembodied eyes are pressing him in, into his skull, robbing him of sensory input, and the next minute, he's just cruising with Betty again. Dr. Simon felt like he might do some kind of damage if he kept pressing at this memory that was clearly being repressed, so he decided to end their first session there. He woke Barney up and asked him how he felt. Barney said he felt fine, better than when he came in. He was feeling great. It was only later, when they stopped at the glorious Michelin-starred establishment of the International House of Pancakes, that Barney began to feel a deep dread. He had no reason for it. The feeling just, like, swept over him and wouldn't go away, like a deep melancholy on a rainy day. Except instead of any feeling that's as affable and pleasant as melancholy, it was a really intense anxiety and paranoia. I, for one, have never felt anxiety in it an eye. It sounds like a delayed me, reaction. This is powerful right? evidence that something. It's wrong. clearly like just the eye hop. They put that up. 
The second you walk into IHOP, everything is wrong. Did you know they serve fucking burgers now, dude? Have you tried them? They're so bad. Is it, is it between two pancakes? No, it's like an actual burger. They they tried to change your name to IHOP. Why would you go to IHOP for a burger? They did that. I heard about that. (laughs) Yeah, that was a real thing that they tried to do. Yeah, they tried. No, dude. Know your strengths and play to them. Yeah. All that said, are they still doing burgers? Because I would try a burger. An IHOP burger. Gentlemen. I would die defending IHOP. That's a weird I love hill to die so on. A weird it's just that is a weird hill to die on. I'll sponsor us. I'll do, it for, pancakes. I'll do it for pancakes. Hey, I mean. when he was talking about that pancake-shaped craft, he was trying to get the IHOP demographic. All right, now, over the course of the evening, the fear that he felt started being replaced by curiosity because he still couldn't remember the stuff that he'd brought up under hypnosis. He'd been told to forget it when the session ended and he would remember it when the hypnotherapist allowed him to. So he started getting really, really curious. And the next handful of sessions pulled out more of their story and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw those threads together for you guys. A hypnotherapist is less powerful than alien psychic eyes, though. Since it, like this, I don't think this guy's necessarily like powerful. He's just able to drudge up these memories that Barney doesn't want to think about, yeah, or I mean, can't think he, about, right? Did he start remembering them kind of outside the? No, no. The he just said that he he wasn't aware of what he was talking about, right? Uh, yeah, because they'd had those little bits surface, and then they couldn't seem to get the full memories, so they went to a hypnotherapist. And I think when you're messing yeah. with human psyche, it's not really a question of, like, power levels. Yeah, maybe. It's more about knowing how they're wired and how to exploit them. Which I'm not saying that, that hypnotherapists necessarily know how to do. I'm just saying that I don't know if there's... I don't know if you can just look at, like, their ranking between psychic alien eyes and... and well, because, I mean, like, the... Psychotherapy. The alien eyes repressed that one memory super deep and the yeah, hypnotherapist unreal. wasn't able to pull that out to the surface yet but maybe the eyes didn't repress the memory and he himself repressed the memory because he was on a fucking spaceship getting fucking probed yeah well at one point they did the aliens did decide that they wouldn't have no memory of it didn't they that's definitely deliberate they did but um just the amount of like resistance to it and the way that Barney handled it for the rest of his life. Yeah, like the, the human mind does a uh, lot of fucked up this shit was like a when rape you experience, experience that kind Barney. of trauma, dude. Right? Even after he remembered it, this was something that he just yeah. wanted to like bundle up and, and bury somewhere and never talk about or think about again. You definitely wouldn't want to. Yeah. Now, of particular note in, in these interviews are how closely the details that Betty and Barney told matched. Remember, they were interviewed separately, and they were interviewed multiple times throughout multiple years by multiple people. They'd be asked things like, what temperature was the inside of the craft, while they were under hypnosis, and they would promptly give matching answers, you know, it's, it's cool inside of the craft. Stuff like that. Barney's recollections are a lot more limited than Betty's. He seemed a lot more resistant to the whole process, and as a result, also seemed to be more subdued by whatever mental chokeholds these beings had them in. There you go, they're more powerful. Coming back to my point. <laughs> I no, I think that's part of it. I think it's it's they wanted Barney not to remember, and Barney also wanted not to remember. 
So they kind of worked together on that. Teamwork Whereas, makes the dream work, dude. For this for this part, Betty is a lot more friendly and open and accepting and actually moves around and talks with them, whereas Barney is literally motionless, stuck to a table and gets probed and messed around with, and then that's it. Hmm. So I think I think part of the difference might be like attitude. Have, have the aliens just never seen a black man before? I don't I don't know if they've ever seen a person before. Hmm. Like I said, Barney was a lot more like hostile to this than Betty was. I don't know. I I don't think Did I would fight a UFO, but I think if I was on the craft, I might fight him. I'm pretty big. I think I could take yeah, a couple. Not unless aliens. they're already in your head. <laughs> Depends Remember, if those they, aliens they were... are just fucking eyes, dude. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. You can't they hurt the eyes. His head. They were in his head before he got out of the car. Yeah, Super Saiyan 4. Remember, Rick? So, right, so. right. To, to pick up his recollection where the last session left off, Barney remembered feeling numb. He felt like he was in an altered state when the men assisted him from the car. His legs felt like dead weight, but he managed to move forward because he was being supported under his arms. In Barney's words, I'm out of the car. And I'm going down the roads and down the road into the woods. There's an orange glow. There's something there. Oh, oh! If only I had my gun. What do they want? The crazy eyes are with me. They're with me. I am only thinking of mental pictures because my eyes are closed, and I think I'm going up a slight incline, and my feet aren't bumping on the rocks. We go up a ramp. My feet just bumped, and I'm in a corridor. I don't want to go, and I don't know where Betty is. The eyes are telling me to be calm. I'll be calm. I'll be calm. If I'm not harmed, I won't strike out. But I will strike out if I am harmed in any way. I'm numb. I'm numb. I have no feeling in my fingers. My legs are numb. That's very scary how he's thinking, I will not, I won't strike out unless I'm harmed. And then as soon as he's thinking that, he goes numb? They're like, well, what if he doesn't feel it? Then we can harm him. Well, he, he went numb first. He went numb before he got out of the car. Yeah, my legs are dead weight was one of the first things in the... This sounds this sounds very, like, dissociative, which would kind of line up with how, like, terrifying this is. Because I think there's... I'm pretty sure there's documented cases of people um, having, like, dissociative episodes when rightfully fully terrified. Sure, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a defense mechanism so that your brain can keep working. Yeah. Yeah, like I was saying before, your brain does yeah. a lot of, like, fucked up shit when you're in, like, this kind of a traumatic thing, right? Like, it'll block literally everything out so you can, you know, breathe. Yeah, the human brain is weird. Shit. Yeah. This whole thing about Barney being, you know, kind of dragged gets extra creepy because remember last episode I was talking about how the tops of his shoes from that night had been all torn up on top as if he'd been partially dragged across rough terrain. True. Yeah, I forgot And now that. we're hearing something that lines up with that. I guess that would that do it, a, wouldn't it? That's a little spooky. Barney recalls the rooms having a bright bluish light that seemed to come from the walls themselves, and the beings that were illuminated by this light were very strange, much stranger than the appearance that Betty had given in her dream. In her dream, they'd basically been small humans with long noses and gray skin, with dark hair, dark eyes, relatively normal if thin mouths. And I think this is another case where what they saw was so frightening that when she dreamed about it later, her brain tried to, like, 
humanize it and make it yeah. almost incomprehensible. Under hypnosis, they recalled something a lot closer to the classical gray alien. Large slanted eyes that extended around the sides of the large head. No ear cartilage, just ear holes with a membrane. No hair. Long spindly arms and odd chests. Or large chests. Strangely, they also had a membrane over their mouths that seemed to flutter whenever they spoke their own warbling dialect. Huh. That's really weird. A, a little tangent. Betty had some correspondence with a natural scientist over the, the following years, and they realized a couple of things. First, they noted that a small mouth might indicate a reliance on soft or processed food. Humans have been developing the same thing over the last you know, a couple thousand years because we've been eating softened cooked food. Huh. Cooking food gives us a lot more bang for our buck calorically because we're basically doing the first step of digestion. Yeah. Right. But it also means that we don't work our jaws properly and that results in a smaller jaw. The jaw can't fit all of our teeth properly and that's why so many people nowadays have messed up teeth and need braces and, and dental work. Yep. Huh. But people throughout so much history haven't had the need for so much dental work and they've still like lived even though they didn't have dental hygiene as good as ours because we've kind of messed our mouths up eating so much soft food fuck you evolution mm. that's they, interesting though yeah they also noted that a large chest like these creatures have might indicate a natural atmosphere with low oxygen which would necessitate a larger lung capacity the large head also checks out since the large eyes of the being would have meant that the skull needed extra space in it for a brain so they had that weird bulbous gray alien head yeah and who knows what other they had an... physiology they got kicking around in that noggin for the psychic powers yeah. they had an odd rolling gait that might indicate a lower gravity on their home planet and the cool interior of the ship combined with their seeming lack of clothes would imply both warm-bloodedness and a high metabolic rate because they're staying warm in that atmosphere. Yeah, except for except for Captain Scarf, dude. Captain Scarf, he's feeling chilled. It's yep. got those alien aesthetics, though, right? Yeah, he he did it. He did it just to look cool, dude. Hundred percent. One of those. <laughs> it's status it's one scarf. of those vibe aliens you hear about. Yeah. Ab abduct humans and terrify them and strap them down naked to the examining table so that you can walk up to them and finger your scarf and be like, see this? Just vogue at I them? I earned this. It's Hugo Boss. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm, I'm still thrown by the, the membrane on the mouth. Like, what is Is that like an organic version of the face mask? Well, it's because when they talked, they were doing this weird warbly, like, sound. Both of them agreed that was kind of the language they spoke. I can't do it because I don't have a membrane over my mouth, but they described it as like a weird warbling noise. Stretch a, stretch a dental dam over your face and you can speak alien. <laughs> sure, dude. Anyways, back, back, to, back to the living nightmare that Barney was experiencing. These little interlopers laid him down on an examination table that was made of something that was between metal and plastic, and they began to perform a physical examination. And this is this is rough. That material, I think, is also First, mentioned in a lot of, like, sci-fi futuristic stuff. The sort of plastic metal yep. advanced material, which is interesting yeah. that the aliens had that. I think I think most of the sci-fi is based on these reports, right? Oh, this maybe. is one of the first, like, abduction cases yeah. that it was ever... 
documented, right? I hadn't thought about like the actual sort of connection of that. I thought there was something that kind of an idea mm. that kind of appeared parallel, but not like. In yeah, I'm just assuming you might be right. I just I don't know. First, they removed his shoes and opened his pants. After they turned him over, and he felt something around the size of a pencil slide into his rectum and mm. then out again. They ran hands over his back as though counting the ridges of his spine or maybe ribs. Something cold and hard touched the base of his spine down at the bottom by his hips and Barney heard a humming noise from somewhere in the room. They flipped him onto his back again and began opening his mouth and peering inside like he was a horse. They felt up his ears, they scratched his arm with something that he couldn't see, and then the examining men in the chamber left while making noises at each other, which again Barney describes as this weird kind of warbling noise that he's never heard before. Finally, they re-entered the chamber and placed a cup over Barney's genitals, and he immediately felt a tugging or pressure or something, his words. He didn't get an erection and he didn't ejaculate, but he did get the distinct suspicion that a sperm sample had been taken. Over the course of 1962, Barney would develop a ring of warty growths right where the, ring, uh, the rim of the cup had touched his skin. And in 1964, during some hypnosis sessions, the growths became so inflamed that Barney needed surgery to remove they them. keep those? Probably I, not. That sounds like a bio. Because, I mean, no, listen, like, if contact with alien technology caused the warts, are the warts alien in nature? Did they study those? They just, it's probably just they like just your reaction to that, right? I don't think the warts themselves think, would be alien. I don't think a, a reaction could be I, warts, though, right? Warts are well, organic in nature. They I'm grow absolute, from something. You can't, like, touch a plant and get warts. Those are just hives. I'm absolutely... Okay, first of all, Barney and Betty weren't doctors, so what he describes as warts, warts could have been growths, it could have been tumors, it could have been polyps, it could have been... Hives, yeah. it could have been a lot hmm. of things. And Betty and Barney tried to keep this all really private. So there's a zero percent chance that he was like, Surgeon Surgeon, did you save did you save, did you save the warts? Yes. I was abducted by aliens and I need them for evidence. There's I no way guess that so. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at this from like an outside perspective and not from the perspective of the guy who Yeah, and, and not some guy who literally it. got a pencil shoved up his ass and then a fucking his sperm ripped out of his body and then he had a warts to prove it. You can see why he would want to just never think of this again. Yeah. I suppose. I'm just so fascinated from this. My whole perspective is skewed. Now, Betty had kind of a similar experience to Barney. Her experience that she relived in hypnosis shared a lot of points with her dream about it. And this is where we start to run into the problem with his hypnosis. Is it similar because the real event that she is remembering influenced her dreams? Or is she in a suggestible state where her dreams seem more fleshed out and real? If the latter, couldn't she have been sleep talking in her dreams and had Barney overheard her and then he kind of used that to create his own experience while he was asleep? It's possible. Right, they kind of yeah. caught, caught nightmares, so to speak? Yeah, but nightmares don't cause genital warts, so... True. There's a lot of True. things that cause genital warts, though, to be fair. In a perfect True. ring? I mean, was it a perfect ring? Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, Pretty weird. Yeah, maybe, dude. Maybe maybe he just... Never mind. 
No, finish, <laughs> finish the thought. No, what were you no, going to no. say? PG-13, dude. Yeah. We have already <laughs> cussed too much for this to be PG-13. It's fun. Don't worry about it. Now, Betty also recalled the craft being lit blue inside, but while Barney believed the light to be coming from the walls themselves, Betty described blue-tinted overhead lights suffusing the entire area inside the craft with a smooth, even blue light. Betty recalls the being that she called the examiner, rolling up the sleeves of her dress and putting her arm into some kind of large machine into which the examiner began to peer. And after a cursory inspection of this, the examiner used a letter opener style device to scrape some skin samples onto a clear plastic or glass slide, just like you'd do in a lab. Yeah, I was just going to say, I have heard of that procedure before. Then he moved on to her eyes, her throat, and her teeth, followed by a look inside her ear before he swabbed it. The examiner felt her hair and the back of her neck, and then took a single hair from there, which seems kind of superfluous because next he cut like a, a chunk of hair right off her head. Hmm. Why'd you have to take the little one if you were just going <laughs> to take all those, dude? What's up with that? I need this much. No, no, I actually need this much. Well, uh, listen, the, not the one this. hair was for the test. The rest is just a souvenir because he's a pervert. <laughs> the examiner just like takes the one hair and like inspects it and like puts it in a little cellophane ba- cellophane bag and like zips it shut and then like pulls out scissors and like cuts a little lock and like ties it in a bow with ribbon and puts it around his neck and like tucks it into his shirt and then just goes back to the examination. Uh, what do you think the scarf is <laughs> made? Strong of? imagery, dude. <laughs> Now, the examiner felt her collarbone and her neck before he took off her shoes and inspected her hands and feet. He palpated and moved her hands before pulling out large, sharp, silver instruments. Mm. Betty got spooked and closed her eyes, as you do. As you do. But the examiner just clipped one of her fingernails. And apparently the examiner just kind of groped her feet and didn't do anything else. See, alien <laughs> purpose. Foot fetishist aliens gotta get a little bit of that a little bit from the top the hair a little bit from the bottom and feel up them toesies then in a test that was both very different and kind of similar to the one that, that barney had the examiner tells betty that he wants to run some tests on her to see how their nervous systems were different the examiner wanted her to remove her dress but obviously didn't understand how dresses work and tried to take it off her while she was sitting So she leaned forward to pull the zipper, and the examiner seemed to understand that, but he leaned forward to yank the zipper, and he yanked it so hard that the dress actually ripped in a few places, which if you remember from last episode, Betty's dress was ripped in several places near the zipper. So Betty reaches back, shows the examiner how to do it. These advanced aliens are, one, strong, because you ever try and just outright rip fabric? It, It takes a bit of force. And two, have never invented zipper technology well i mean they're not wearing clothes right they're just, they're just chilling they don't need clothes i guess i, I mean i figured at some point in their evolution they would have gotten I mean, clothes yeah but like if you're if your environment doesn't doesn't require you to wear anything and your physiology and like culture is fine with you not wearing anything i mean I guess if you were, like, a hot-blooded psychic, you wouldn't really need, like, clothes or armor. Anything that comes at you, you just kind of mind-control it. Maybe they don't even, like, have any kind of, like, 
war or anything on their planet too, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. You wouldn't need it for armor. You wouldn't need thing? it for like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's literally it's just there's so many things you could speculate about this. Yeah, yeah I mean, be here it, forever. it could it could be alien concept like oh, if you're wearing clothes, you are concealing something. You've got something to hide. Because if they're sure. all psychic, they've got they they would surely be very open with one another, right? Potentially, they're just would sharing they? minds all the time. Now, once the dress was off, the examiner had Betty lay down on a table, and he pulled out a cluster of needles with wires running from them, and he started to press these at different points of her body, the base of her spine, along her vertebra, behind her ears. She notes that the needles didn't hurt, it was just like a quick touch and gone. That sounds like a cross between acupuncture and a voltimeter. The voltimeter was what I first thought of. Now, finally, this is a part of the story that's really cemented itself in UFO lore. The examiner proceeded to the final step of the physical exam. He slid a large needle between four to six inches long into Betty's navel causing significant pain and distress. Yeah. She was freaking out, obviously. As you do. <laughs> As you do. In fact, this distressed her so badly during her hypnosis that Dr. Simon ended a session there at one point. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, remember when Barney got real upset and he was like, no, Barney, you can't wake up. You have to keep doing this. Yeah, yeah he ended it right there. Of note, this needle in the navel thing sounds a lot like amniocentesis which is used to determine the genetic makeup of a fetus. At about 16 to 20 weeks into a pregnancy, doctors use a needle to pull out some amniotic fluid, which they use to test for stuff like spina bifida and Down syndrome. Since she wasn't pregnant, though, it's also kind of vaguely reminiscent of a laparoscopic surgery, where a doctor makes a small incision in the abdomen and then threads a little camera into the abdominal cavity to get a look around. And it's true that both of these procedures had existed for a relatively long time, but neither of them was the kind of thing that the average American citizen had knowledge of in the fucking 1960s. Sure. Maybe they took an egg. Maybe. Well, I mean, wasn't she a took, nurse or something? If they, if they took a sperm sample from Barney, and they, yeah. the, the flip side would be to take an egg from her. Makes sense. Yeah, could be. When the hypnosis brought them to this memory again, when they started up another session, Betty talked about how the leader of these beings, or the one that she assumed was the leader, waved his hand in front of her eyes, and instantly her pain and her discomfort just disappeared. And the examiner removed the needle and left the room, and Betty was left alone with the leader. And she was feeling pretty friendly towards him because he'd stopped her pain. So she did the thing that you do when you want to make friends with someone that you don't know really well and you're alone with them. She made small talk. She describes their voices really interestingly. Like Barney, she said it was that warbling, like, sounding language. But when the leader, and to a lesser extent the examiner, spoke, she says that she heard the sounds as English. They didn't speak English. They made that warbling noise, but with breaks and spaces in the sounds as if they were saying words. And when Betty heard it, it sort of became English to her. It's like a babblefish, dude. Yeah. Yeah, like the. Yeah, that's exa- exactly. Using their psychic eyes to do the translation as they yeah. talk. The psychic eye blah yeah. yeah. Would you would you prefer alien dubs or subs? <laughs> <laughs> alien subs. I want to hear that sweet warbling voice. 
that tonal thing and they just make you see subtitles? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. That's the best superpower ever, dude. Now, Betty commented to the leader how this whole event was so ridiculous that no one would ever believe her and Barney. She told him that most people didn't even believe that creatures like him existed. He smiled and told Betty to look for something that she liked and maybe she could take it back with her as a souvenir. She found a pretty big book nearby and she placed her hand on it, asking if she could have it. The leader told her to open it and she did. And she said, it went up and down. It was different. It had short lines and some were very thin and some were medium and some were heavy. They had some dots and they had straight lines and they had curved lines. Is that like their language that she's describing or the book itself? Yeah, I think she's talking about the language that okay. it's like a like the lettering? bizarre symbols. Yeah, okay. the lettering is bizarre symbols, and they go up and down in columns instead of left and right in rows. All right, here's a question for you though: if you if you are a race of telepathic, warm-blooded aliens, why do you need a book so you can just like, you know, Sentiment. mind power what if, shit? <laughs> well, what if what if there's like a maximum distance range? Yeah, but wouldn't you be able just to, like, I don't know, get your little mind kindled or something? Isn't it? Wouldn't that be a thing? Mind kindled? Yeah. No, they don't have mind Amazon. I don't... Oh, my God. Okay, all right. <laughs> get mind Jeff Bezos in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the... That's I'm just picturing regular came Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Contact no, list. Mind Amazon delivery. Perhaps they were unable to replicate the psychic effect with technology, and that's purely biological? Maybe it was like a book of maps. Just lines, yeah. Maybe it Just wasn't lines. from them. Maybe that was from another, like, third party of yeah. aliens. It's from stuff. the stop before here, dude. Well, yeah. Oh, that's our receipt. We got takeout. Yeah. <laughs> 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 The leader asked if Betty could read the book, but Betty told him that she didn't really want to read the book. She just wanted proof that she and Barney had met aliens. She said, and I quote, So he said I could have the book if I wanted it. And I picked it up, and I was delighted. I mean, this was more than I had ever hoped for. And I'm standing there, and I'm saying that I had never seen anything like the book, and that I was very pleased that he had given it to me, and that maybe, someday... I could figure out how to read it. This is like when you go to the dentist as a kid and you're well-behaved and they let you take a home a prize. <laughs> but it's a fucking book, dude. Well, Barney was freaking out and he didn't get a prize. <laughs> Barney wasn't well-behaved. He didn't get a sticker. Good abductees get a souvenir. <laughs> okay. Keep that Next, in mind if you're ever abducted. Betty asked... Next, Betty asked the leader the location of his home. She explained that she didn't really know anything about the universe and planets except for Earth, and the leader pulled an oblong map out of the wall. And the map was odd, with weird lines, both solid and broken, and a bunch of circles, some big and some small. Oblong when Betty pressed for information... sort of format. Sorry to cut you off, I'm just... I'm, maps aren't generally oblong yeah. in their it's nature. Like a fucking... It's like a hide-a-bed, dude. You just fucking yoink it out of the wall. There you go. When Betty pressed for information on the leader's home, he asked if she knew where on the map her home was. And when she couldn't answer, the leader just laughed at her and asked what the point was in telling her where his home was if she had no frame of reference for the information. 
It's interesting to note that in her dreams, the map had been a 1960s-style pull-down map like we used to have in classrooms when we were kids. Yeah. While in the hypnotic regression, it was that oblong map that pulled out of the wall, which is a lot f- more futuristic and sleek in my Just opinion. Just her mind trying to like normalize the whole situation, probably. Well, that, that kind of informs the idea of the aliens having a totally different perception of space in general. I guess. I mean, I think that it's just Bar- or Betty's mind trying to translate it as something she's familiar with. Maybe. I mean, if you're, if you're thinking about, like, the pull-down map, but if it's, like, an oblong shape as a map, that sounds closer to, like, when you... You ever see those pictures of, like, wormholes? How they're kind of just long? And that... That maybe that's the shape of the universe, or they inhabit a space between space. I don't know, dude. There's so many theories here. I I think you're overthinking it. I think an oblong map works a lot better for like orbits. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Who for thought? Then a flurry of motion happened. Some crewmen came in with the examiner, and Betty immediately worries about Barney because these people are real excited. But the examiner just opens her mouth and starts tugging on her teeth. She is confused as hell until the examiner tells her that Barney's teeth had come out, but hers did not. Barney had dentures from an accident that had occurred during his military service as a young man. (laughs) That's really funny. Betty, yeah, (laughs) Betty describes this as hilarious, but she also said that she tried not to mention it because Barney found it really embarrassing. Betty explained the dentures to them, but the beans didn't seem to understand. Could you imagine, dude? She tried to explain. Like, dude, this guy's teeth just fucking came out. Go check the other one. They go over there and they start pulling. Nothing's happening. <laughs> Hold on. What the Did fuck they is all this? Do that? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it really is funny. Um, there was a bunch of weird conversations they had explaining things like aging and prosthetics, and the beans seemed incredulous, like they didn't believe it. And that led to a bunch of other really weird conversations where Betty talks about how, you know, to, to fight off aging, we try to eat lots of vegetables. And the aliens are like, well, what's a vegetable? And she tries to explain it, and she can't. So they're like, well, what's your favorite vegetable? And she says, well, squash. And they're like, well, what's up with squash? Like, what's, what's squash? <laughs> what's she the says, deal well, with it's squash? Yellow. And they say, okay, well, what's yellow? And she can't find anything yellow. So it's like this really weird bizarre conversation where they speak our language but don't understand concepts like yellow or vegetables hmm. that would be very difficult to try and explain like all Listen, these everybody's things got a little bit world. of yellow in them but they're afraid to to show it to people if you know what i mean you're talking about pee i'm talking no. about piss yes <laughs> okay all right <laughs> just, just, just to clear that yeah. Like that. That's yellow. <laughs> that would be oh, yeah. a bad analogy like, to try and explain squash, though, because if you, if you go from this to squash, the aliens are going to... I mean, accurate. Yeah. You're going to... Yeah. Fuck squash. No. Squash man, huh? Before they I leave the like ship. Squash, no. Oh, butternut squash ravioli. Mm. So good. Now, before they leave the ship, Betty recalls one other thing. A small, large-headed being that stood in the hallway outside and seemed very angry. God, it's the manager. Betty recalled a really stru- Betty recalled a really strong urge to kick him to show that she wasn't afraid. <laughs> when they were being escorted off the UFO, the little alien seized the book that she'd been given, causing Betty to become very angry. 
The leader interceded and apologized to Betty, saying that he'd been overruled. The crew wanted to return them with no memories, so they couldn't have the souvenir. Sorry. Taking your book away. Nobody gets a sticker. Yeah. Couldn't tell me what yellow was. This calls into question... <laughs> you didn't pee on my floor, dude. This, this calls into question if the leader was the leader, doesn't it? Like, eventually they were led back to the car, and Betty recalls them going together. But Barney says that he was already seated in the car when Betty was brought back to it, which is, you know, a little discrepancy. And another small discrepancy, Betty claims that Delcy was shaking on the passenger seat when they returned, but Barney claims that she was cowering under the driver's seat. They sat down in the car and witnessed a giant red-orange fireball lift from the nearby field, taking off silently into the night Again. and disappearing. That giant red-orange fireball is exactly what I saw as a kid. Barney began driving, and they heard those deep, penetrating, buzzing noises emanate from the trunk again. And suddenly, they realized that they were on Route 3, like they were waking up. Now, that concludes the bulk of their hypnotic regression. Those were the details they had and they memorized. But there's a few important facts to close out with. For one... It's important to note that Betty and Barney did get relief from these sessions for their, their anxiety and paranoia. A few months after the last hypnosis session, they really felt those symptoms ease considerably. So that's good. Yeah, that is good. They did remain believers until they passed, although Barney was really reluctant in his belief. Like I said, it, it's interesting to see because I feel like they act like people who were abused. Betty became real fanatical and started seeing UFOs and everything. And Barney became more withdrawn and taciturn. He just wanted to forget his helplessness before these strange beings. Yeah, it's yeah, like the two I extremes mean, of abuse right there, dude. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you can't really not be a believer after you're abducted. You can just, you can still, like, man, that sucked and I hate it. Don't bring it up. Of course they exist. I don't want to talk about it. Sure. Yeah. Now, the Hills tried very hard, like I said earlier, to keep the affair private, telling their story basically to the military, to their friends at NICAP, to their doctor, and, like, their families. And eventually, unfortunately, a few journalists picked up the story and reported it, whereupon the Hills caved and started openly sharing information about the case. And when Stanton Friedman, author of one of the books that is a source for these episodes, began reporting about this, he was met with a lot of resistance, especially from figures like Carl Sagan, the, the famous huh. astronomer. I would have. Carl Sagan kept threatening lawsuits if Friedman ever mentioned him. I would have figured that Carl Sagan would be super on board with this kind of thing. Yeah, Carl Sagan very firmly believed that no alien had ever contacted people before, that the whole idea was ridiculous and that he didn't even want to be associated with the idea that that might That be sounds what like someone who's hell? just been bugged way too much about the subject, you know? Like, been, oh my god, these fucking crazy people keep him? bringing up aliens to me. What the fuck? Leave me alone, right? Jaden, yeah. I guess? Maybe he's just sick of talking about aliens. Now, the star map that Betty was shown by the leader was recreated by Betty and has received a lot of mixed reviews over the years. Is there pictures? Some people claim... I'm not sure. I didn't find any. Damn. I also didn't find any. I, well, I saw some drawings, but I didn't see anything that was like the official... I'm sure that the University of New Hampshire has it. Hmm. 
Now, some people claim that this map lacks any depth, which renders its perspective untrustworthy. Others claim that it lines up with the Zeta Reticuli system. Personally, I have no way of telling you guys which of these one is which of these is true, but I will say that the lack of a third dimension does really badly mess up any map of a 3D space. Totally. Like I imagine it would be like like if I was on a spacecraft and I pulled out a map out of the fucking wall, it would be like a 3D holographic thing, right? Trying to draw that, like you would just lose so much of the effect. Like one of those big glass yeah. things where we've got like the art inside of it, except it's a map. It's the Palantir from Lord of the Rings. Exactly. No, it's a holocron. I mean, she was talking about the star map that the guy pulled out from, like, the oblong map, so I assumed that it was flat. I was imagining a big cylinder, honestly. Yeah, I was also thinking, oh, like, like a tube with, like, projections in it, so that's where my mind went. That's neat. Yeah, that's why I was so going on about, like, the their perception of space. Maybe they just see everything in 3D, dude. One eye's red, one eye's blue. <laughs> one eye's inside of you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, Barney passed away on February 25th, 1989. And Betty followed more than a decade after on October 23rd, 2004. The materials that were related to this case, as well as the hypnosis transcripts and the physical evidence was all donated to the University of New Hampshire upon her death. The state of New Hampshire, interestingly, actually has a plaque at the location where the event happened out in the Franconia Notch. Hmm. So that's, uh, that's where we're going camping one day, boys. Yeah, the Franconia I'm Notch, in. dude. Yeah, you want to go camping at various UFO abduction sites and see if they come back? Haunted, Haunted houses, houses yeah. would be way more fun than... A field that someone got yoinked from. I, I, I'll be real. I think I trust an alien abduction site more than I trust a haunted house. I mean, the oh, aliens no. put you back most of the time. Most of the time, the, unless they don't. The time, you, you don't hear about the times that they don't, right? I guess so. Maybe that's what all those missing, missing hikers are about. Yeah, dude. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't it interesting seeing all of the ways that this helped influence alien pop culture afterwards? Yeah. It, it's very similar to what really, you'd expect, right? Yeah, you can see it really yeah. informed kind of the the cultural cliches of alien abductions. Yeah. <laughs> the anal probe, the, the, yeah. the confusion, the loss of memory, all that stuff. Yeah. The big needle in the navel. They did that one on the X-Files. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it, that was the inspiration for the X-Files bit. Yeah. I think the scariest part of this is definitely the, um, just like, like, when Barney was describing himself walking without, like, wanting to, right? Like, that is the scariest fucking thing, in my opinion. Being forced like to do something without any control of your body, like, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, loss of bodily autonomy is yeah. pretty scary. I chalked <laughs> that one in particular up to him consciously experiencing the through hypnosis the event again so you would be kind of doing the actions right like if you're reliving something through hypnosis Maybe. you wouldn't be able to, uh, to pick something up that you normally did not pick up during the event right so you would I just kind of I just assumed that it would it would be like for the ride if these things are like telepathically speaking to him with their fucking eyes dude like, um, wouldn't they like wouldn't they have the ability to like 
don't know, take over your body and move you, basically. I guess they were dragging him, though, so that doesn't make any sense in the movie, right? Yeah, I, f- I feel like that was more of a product of the hypnosis, although I still think those may not be eyes and are just some sort of additional psychic organ. A psychic organ? I Personally, I Rick, I think you're being too literal. I don't think he actually saw eyes. I think he thought he saw eyes. Yeah. Perhaps? Like, it was like they were already, like, he was already in, like, a trance. Because they were making him do shit and speaking to him through his fucking mind with their fucking eyes, dude. Okay. So, finally, on this, do you guys believe him? Yeah. Pip, you're in? Oh, yeah, dude. I believe that they believe. But, That's I fair. don't know. People believe a lot of weird Coward. shit, dude. No, it's, it's not that. It's just, it It doesn't make any sense, right? I'm aliens. offering you up to the next aliens it, we see. I mean, sure, dude. Then you you, believe. you give me, you give me, like, concrete proof. You take me there, and I'll believe. I guess, yeah, if you don't have some kind of... It's so out there that if you don't have a concrete frame of reference for yeah. it, it's like, I'm going to need some proof. Well, and that's just, like, I'm like that with everything, right? Like, <laughs> if, if I can't, like, actually see it, then I have a hard time believing it actually happened to people. Because people say a lot of weird shit, dude, you know? <laughs> the long-term objective of this podcast is to get Jacob ducked. Yep. <laughs> To that end, not not make me a believer, just actually get me abducted. Well, that'll make you I a mean, believer. Yeah, but you can. I don't. I don't want to get abducted, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Thank you all for joining us for our conclusion of the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. It was a long one, but I hope that we provided some details that you may not have known before. Now, before we say goodbye, I wanted to take a moment and just announce that we are launching a Patreon at patreon.com slash utap that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot c-o-m slash o-o-t-a-p we have tiers ranging from $5 a month up to $25 a month with all kinds of sweet perks even the lowest tier has access to bonus content from episodes and a personalized dedication at the end of each episode But even if you decide not to donate to the Patreon, we just wanted to thank absolutely everyone who has stuck with us so far. Three episodes may not seem like a big milestone, but the amount of work that we've all had to put in for this so far is ridiculous. And without the support of friends and family, we never would have gotten this far. So thank you for your support and for listening to this really, really long PSA. I'm Lot, here with Pip and Jake. And until next time, Remember, everything has an element of the unknown.